Tonight we're going to be talking about a, a subject that is fascinating in a lot of ways. And I will say to you ahead of time, I do not want to stand up here as if I have all the answers in this particular area. Well, I don't have all the answers in any area, but I don't have all the answers to this, these questions we're going to be raising. But I am intrigued by what we read in Scripture. Intrigued so much that I want to show you some of these things as we talk about God rewarding the way you live your life. Now, let me just start with this. The day that you accepted Christ as Savior, assuming that you have, the day that you accepted Christ as Savior, you made an incredible trade, whether you realize it or not. On the day that you accepted Christ as Savior, you traded your brief moment on this planet for eternal life. Would you say that's a good trade? On the day that you trusted Christ as Savior, you traded your sin for His forgiveness. Is that a good trade? Absolutely. On the day that that you trusted Christ as Savior, you traded everything that you had accomplished to accept everything that God wants to offer you. Is that a good trade? On the day that you accepted Christ as Savior, You traded the grave for an eternal home in heaven. I'll tell you, if you've ever trusted Christ as Savior, committed your life to Him, I just want you to know that was an amazing exchange that occurred in your life. You put down a little bit of the handful of time that God has given you, and you pick up the forever blessings that God has in store for you. But my question would be, what if you found out that God wants to give you even more than that? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know about you, but I think it's a pretty good deal that I just get salvation and forgiveness in heaven. I, I, I would be pretty satisfied with saying, I, I can be forgiven of every sin I've ever committed. I, I can have a relationship with God, and I can have an eternal home in heaven. I mean, sign me up for that. I'm good. I don't need any more. Are you with me? You feel that way too, probably. So I'd be very satisfied with that. You can stop right there, and God's been good to me. But what if, what if God wanted to give you more than that? Or to put it another way, what if God has determined that your actions now can affect your future later. Now, I know that what I'm about to get into, uh, you need to be very careful that you're following, because if you kind of drift off, you, you, you may misquote something that I'm telling you tonight. So I need to make sure that you're very engaged and very fo- focused. And I want you to hear me say this, and I'll probably say it more than once, because this is one of those times where it's like, boy, this is kind of dangerous if you're not listening. So let me try to clarify up front. I am not talking about you earning your salvation. I want to say that one more time. I am not talking about you earning your salvation. I'm talking about the way that you live out your salvation. How do you live out your salvation? And the, the way that you live out your salvation does have somewhat of an impact regarding what eternity will be like. Now, if you're intrigued by that, um, there was a day when Jesus was teaching a large crowd of people 
And he made a pretty shocking statement. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Beginning verse 17. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. He went down with them, with the apostles. He went down with them and stood on a level place and a large crowd of his disciples was there. And a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, notice he's not looking at the crowd, he's looking at his disciples. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you when you are blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Now, we we pause there for a moment because I want to make sure you read verse 22 and you were tracking with me. This doesn't sound very blessed to me. Verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, And reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. And then this is where Jesus makes a shocking statement in verse 23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. For this is how their fathers treated the prophets. Verse 23 is an amazing verse. Rejoice in that day. In what day? In the day that they hate you and exclude you and insult you and reject you uh, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy in that day. Why? Because great is your reward. Where, church? Now, in those words that I just read, Jesus reveals why you and I can and should Rejoice even in difficult circumstances. He said that there is a direct connection between something you do for Him on earth and something great that He wants to do for you in heaven. A direct connection between what you experience on earth and what you experience in heaven. The promise of a reward in heaven is not isolated to this one text. Jesus taught the disciples this principle on several different occasions. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, again I draw to your attention that he's talking to the disciples, not to the crowd. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone 
would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Very demanding, right? This is a, a, a real commitment. It's going to require something on your part. It's going to require sacrifice on your part. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Again, very demanding. A sacrifice. You lose your life for him. It's, it's a, a, a tremendous commitment that is being called for. But then in verse 26, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Watch verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then, not now, not right now here on earth, but then, the Bible says, He will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, remember the scripture we just read a moment ago. It says, and great will your reward be in heaven. Not your reward here on earth. Now, sometimes God does reward us on earth, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about an earthly reward. He's talking about that time, that place where after this life, there's going to be a reward from God in the next life. I know you probably already have all kinds of questions and maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable because this is kind of foreign to us in a way, but let's just continue to track through Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. You're in Matthew, so go over to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, uh, this is one of those stories that does not have a happy ending, but it has a tremendous message. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He's thinking in terms of what behavior. He's thinking in terms of behavior. What should I do? Think of that word, behavior. What should I do? What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Thinking about behavior. Verse 17. Why, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. And if, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the man said, all of these I have kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? He knew there was something missing in his life, something missing in his heart. He said, I've done all of that, but I'm still missing something. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, now watch this. These are the words of Jesus, not the words of Keith. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure, where? In heaven. Not here on earth, but in heaven. I told you the story doesn't have a happy ending. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because... He had great wealth. He foolishly forfeited treasure in heaven for earthly treasure. The earthly treasure had such a hold on him. Look up here for a moment. The earthly treasure had such a hold on him. He couldn't turn loose on it to receive what God 
wanted to give him. Now, we could spend a great deal of time on looking at passages like this, but I just want to point out to you two obvious things so far in Scripture. Two obvious things are these. Number one, God is keeping track of what you do for Him every day. God is keeping track of what you do for Him every day. Now, don't ask me after, how does God do that? I don't know, He's God. But God has no problem keeping track of what you're doing. Obvious lesson number two. You have more to gain by serving Him than you ever imagined. You have more to gain by serving Him here on earth than you could ever imagine. Now, this is where I need to pause and again try to clarify something. Uh, I want to talk to you about the, the two keys, if you're taking notes, the two keys to determine what eternity will be like for you. The two keys to determine what eternity will be like for you. The first key is the one you would expect, and that is belief. Belief. Now, you know all of these scriptures, but I need to underline them for you. John chapter 3. Go with me to John. We'll stay in the book of John for a few minutes. John chapter 3, look at verse 36. Whoever believes, there's the key word, whoever believes in the Son has what kind of life, church? Eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. He has eternal life when you believe. Go over to chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. Here's what the Bible says. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, there's that word, has eternal life. And he will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. Notice that there is no indication here. There is no uh, teaching here at all about behavior. It's all about believing. That eternal life is the result of believing. It's not the result of your behavior. It's not trying to be good enough for God and live a life that's meets a certain standard, but salvation is eternal life is based on your believing. And I just can't emphasize that enough. So let me read a couple more scriptures to you. Chapter 6, verse 40. I hope you're writing these down just so you'll have notes for later or for someone else. Chapter 6, verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Chapter 6, verse 47. John 6, verse 47. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I don't know how it could be any clearer that believing, which is absolute trust, absolute surrender. That's what the word means. That I have this absolute trust and surrender of my life to God. That belief is the key that unlocks the door to eternal life. Believing in Jesus Christ, His death on the cross, that's the key that unlocks the door to eternal life. And watch, listen, listen, that determines where you will spend eternity. And as good Southern Baptists, most of us already know that. But I just need to make sure you understand that one of the keys to determining what eternity will be like is first of all, where you spend eternity is based on your believing in Jesus Christ. There's a second key. That determines what eternity will be like. The second key is 
your behavior. Now, I started to bring my, my pad and you know, write all of this up for you, but I've been over there teaching and it's kind of been a busy day. So I didn't bring my pad, but so let me just walk in, in place here. This is believing, determines where I spend eternity. Believing in Jesus, that determines where it, I spend eternity. This is behavior, that determines to some degree what my eternity will be like. In other words, listen, my behavior here on earth will not determine my salvation, but my behavior here on earth could determine how God rewards me once I step into the gates of heaven. The key that unlocks the door to rewards is how you live your life. What you do today really does matter forever. I mean, have you ever done something for something for somebody and you think, you know, um, I don't know if that really made a difference. I, you know, I, I gave him a little bit of money or I tried to help her out or I tried to do this. And, and you just go on wondering, it, I don't know if I ever made really, if I ever made a difference. I'm going to tell you something. When you genuinely are trying to help someone and you're genuinely serving the Lord, whether anybody notices or not, God does. God takes note. I want to talk to you for, uh, for just a minute about the blink that is waiting for all of us. The blink. Here's what I mean by that. There's coming a day for you and for me, unless the Lord Jesus comes back before then. Well, actually, this would apply to Him coming back as well, I guess. But there's coming a day when we will all go from earth to eternity. In the blink. The twinkling of an eye. Either your heart will stop and you will go from earth to eternity in a blink. Or Jesus will come back and you'll go from earth to eternity in a blink. In fact, let's just see how long that is. Would you, would you humor me right now? Would you just blink for me one time? One, two, three. Didn't take long, did it? In a blink, you're going to go from earth to eternity. Sometimes people wonder, well, what's eternity going to be like? Have you ever driven out west? Maybe like across west Texas. Anybody ever done that? Driven across? Dennis, I know you have. You, don't you drive a truck? Yep. You, you retire. Okay. All right. But I bet you've driven across west Texas before. All right. If you've ever been across west Texas... good night I mean the road is long the land is flat and the drive is monotonous can I get an amen for anybody who's driven there oh my goodness the, the road is so long and the drive is the land is so flat and the drive is so long it's like it just never ends and some people think that's kind of what heaven's going to be like you know, it's just going to be forever and I'm just going to be sitting on a cloud and it's going to be kind of monotonous after the first million years. You know, I, I'm just going to be sitting there and it's just going to take a long time to do forever and I, I'm just going to be, I mean, I'm glad I'm there. I, I celebrate that I'm there, but man, it's just, they, listen to this, they basically think that all the big events in their life is now behind them. 
basically think that all of the best days of their life are now behind them. Paul says, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. That your best days, when you take your last breath in that blink, your best days are not behind you. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the best days are in front of you. And those days are going to be beyond your or my imagination. It's not going to be long and monotonous. It's going to be wonderful in every sense of the word. Now, what's it going to be like? Well, let's go back to the Word of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Let's pick up the story in verse 24. Jesus said to His disciples... We've already read this text. I'm aware of that. But I want to take you back to this text again. Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for Me will find it. So He's talking about what we do here on earth. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, parentheses, here on earth, Yet forfeits his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And then he says in verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then. And I I tried to emphasize that when we read it earlier. And then he will reward each person according. According to what church? According to what he has done. He's going to reward two things I want you to note there. He's going to reward each person. You could say every person. He's going to reward each person and He's going to reward them according to what He has done. He or she has done. But can I ask you, when is this going to take place? After Jesus comes back, according to this verse. Verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. Jesus described a very specific series of events for every believer. That He will come again. And when He comes again, He will bring His rewards. And the rewards that He gives out will be based on what we have done. What we've done with our lives. One of the most interesting statements Jesus ever made about this idea of rewarding. By the way, the disciples are still waiting for theirs. How do I know the disciples are still waiting for their reward? He hadn't come back yet. It says when He comes back, then He will reward them. Alright, so, one or two more scriptures and we'll be done. One of the most interesting statements Jesus made about this is in Luke chapter 14. This is just one of those scriptures that's like, wow, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. Luke chapter 14. We're going to read through... Uh, I need to get in the right... Book. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 14. The heading on, in my Bible, Luke chapter 14, says Jesus at a Pharisee's house. But anybody else have anything different? All right, so basically, Jesus is invited to a very prominent 
person's house. There's a list of distinguished guests who are invited to this prominent leader's home. Let's pick up the story. One Sabbath, this happened on Shabbat, it happened on a Sabbath, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. Notice it says a prominent Pharisee. He went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. He was being carefully watched. People were watching him, but what they didn't know is that he was watching them as well. Look at the text. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy, and Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. And then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, or the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. Now, this is why I say Jesus was watching them. Verse 7, when he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, he told this parable. That is, Jesus was sitting there and as these prominent people came in to the prominent leader's house, they were all watching Jesus. But what they didn't know is that Jesus was watching them. He was watching how they were trying to jockey for position, get the places of honor. And so Jesus tells this parable. Verse 8, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, Give this man your seat. (laughs) Then humiliated, you'll have to take the seat. You'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be honored. humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is responding to what he's seen unfold in front of him and he, he's telling this parable. But then, this is where it gets interesting, there's kind of a twist to the story. In verse 12, Jesus offers the host some unsolicited advice. Look in verse 12. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, In other words, next time you do this, next time you decide to have somebody over to your house to eat, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. That had to be a little bit awkward. Jesus seemed to be saying to the host, next time you have a big dinner like this, don't invite these people. Don't invite your, your relatives. Don't invite your friends. Don't invite the prominent rich people. Don't, you don't, next time you do this, don't invite people like this. That had to be a little bit awkward. Well, what did he mean? Well, follow closely what he says after this. But when you give a banquet, verse 13, invite the poor, crippled, the lame, the blind, And you will be what? What's that next word, church? Blessed. Now remember, earlier he said, if you invite your rich neighbors, verse 12, if you invite your rich neighbors, if you decide to do that, and you invite them, they might invite you back, and so you will be, watch this word, you will be repaid. They invited you over because you invited them over, and you'll be repaid. 
He says, but if you invite your, the poor people in your community, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, you will be blessed by giving them a chance to come to the banquet. Now watch this, verse 14. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When you invite the poor people, the crippled people, the lame people, the outcast, when you're trying to minister to them and you're trying to help them, they don't have anything to repay you with. They don't have the financial means to invite you to their house. And in fact, if they could, you wouldn't want to go to their house because they live in a shack. But when you reach out to those people, when you care about those people that others don't care about, Jesus said, I just want you to know, you will be repaid by your Father, your Heavenly Father. That's what He means. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus was saying, God will repay you for the good work that you've done. But watch this church. He's going to repay you primarily after you're dead. He's going to repay you primarily, not in this life, but in the next one. Now certainly, God blesses us here on earth. I mean, listen, I don't know about you, but there have been days it's like, Lord, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve your blessing. Have you ever had those times? It's just like, God, you've just, been, you've just been too good to me. I don't deserve this. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your graciousness to me. But what Jesus is talking about is something very different. He's not talking about blessings here in this life. He's talking about blessings in the next life. His words show that when you do a worthy deed for someone who can't repay you, God's going to take care of that in the next life. Now the reason I bring this up is because it's so easy in this life to say, God, why haven't you done anything? It's so easy in this life to look at, uh, maybe you're struggling, it's like, God, we're, we're trying to serve you faithfully and yet our, our family is struggling so much financially. Or, or God, we're, we're trying to, to serve you and reach out to others and we're, we're working ourselves to death and nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to notice. And I say to you, dear child of God, God cares and God notices. And He doesn't promise that your work for Him now will always bring rewards now. In fact, He says just the opposite. Your work for Him now will one day be rewarded then. The question is, what are the rewards? How does He reward us? And the answer is, I have no idea. But I do know this. If it's from God, it's going to be good. In fact, if you're taking notes, write down these three things. I'm, I'm trying to let you out just a little bit early, so I'm going to run through these three things. 
Three things about God's rewards. The, the best way I can summarize what it means that God rewards us in the next life. I, these are very simple statements, but so true. First of all, the statement is, God is good. So whatever the reward is going to be, I promise you it's going to be good. Number two, God is gracious. He always gives me more than I deserve. So whatever the, war, the reward is, God is going to be gracious. But number three, God is giving. The one who gave me His Son as a sacrifice for my sin. The one who gave you salvation and forgiveness. God is a giving God. And one of the reasons I believe that there are eternal rewards is because the heart of God is to give. God is a giving God. God is a gracious God. God is a good God. He comes to us with open hands. God has never been stingy towards you. So don't expect Him to be stingy in heaven. God is good. God is gracious. God is giving. I want to close with uh, I think it's in Mark chapter 9. I've got two texts here. I'm trying to decide which one to go with. I think it's in Mark chapter 9. Let me look at it real quickly and see if this is the right one. No, this isn't it. But let me just go ahead and read it to you since I'm already there. Because sometimes we think, well, God only blesses the big stuff we do. I, I'm, not, I'm not a Billy Graham and God only blesses the, you know, the rewards are for the big stuff that you do. That's not what the Bible says. Mark 9, 41 says, I tell you the truth, and Jesus is speaking, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Not the big stuff, it's all the stuff. God notices. But the scripture that I wanted to get to is in Matthew 19. Matthew 19, I promise this is the last one. Matthew 19. We've already been to Matthew 19, but we come back to it again. Remember now, Matthew 19, this is the story of the rich young ruler. And he comes saying, what can I do to, to gain eternal life? And, and he goes away because he has a lot of money and he's not willing to give it up. And Jesus basically said he's forfeited his eternal treasure because of his desire for earthly treasure. Now, that's the background behind the scripture we're about to read. Verse 23, remember, well, verse 22, the young man heard this and he went away sad because he had great wealth. That's the way the story ends. But look at the next verse, verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. By the way, anytime Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not, it's not like, well, last time I was lying, but this time I'm telling you the truth. Whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's like, I just want you to know, this is, this is absolutely a very important thing for you to hear. This, this is a critical piece of information. Don't miss this, alright? And so here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this, verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and they asked, who then can be saved? And the reason they asked that question is because in their theology, they thought riches meant God blessed you and if you had riches, 
then, then you were special to God. And, and the, rich, the rich people were standing at the front of the line. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got your theology all backwards. The rich people find it very hard to ever enter into heaven. You got your theology all messed up. So keep reading. So that's why they said, well, then who can be saved? Now watch this. Let's keep reading verse 26. Jesus, I'm sorry. Verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With, with God, all things are possible. Then Peter, I love Peter. Man, Peter and I, we were cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. Then Peter answered him, We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? It's a good question, Peter. It's an honest question. And you have left everything. I challenge you to leave your family and your home, and, and you've done that, Peter. You've, you've left, you're right. You've left everything. Follow me. And Peter says, I, you know, I'm just wondering. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said in verse 28, tell you the truth. There's that phrase again. I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, not just these twelve apostles, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. Will receive a hundred times as much. In other words, God's watching. God's noticing. And God will reward you for your faithfulness. And the reward doesn't always come in this life. Reward often comes when you step into eternity. Again, I don't know what that's going to be like. But I am convinced it's going to be good. I'll close by saying what I said earlier. Listen, I would be satisfied just knowing I'm getting into heaven. I don't need anything beyond that. It's like, like, Lord, I could dedicate my entire life to you. And and if you said, listen, your reward is that you're going to get to step into the gates of heaven and walk on streets of gold and be in the presence of God, I'd be like, praise the Lord. But man, that's awesome. And God says, but I want you to know something. You're going to get that because of Jesus. But you're also going to get more because of the way you've lived your life. Because your God is good. Your God is giving. And your God is gracious. I don't have the answers for what it's all going to be like. But I do know this. You'll never regret what you did for Him. Ever. For all eternity. You will be glad you did what you did for Him. So let's thank Him. Father, it is so good 
to look into your word. And many times we don't have all the answers. We sometimes don't even know all the questions. But yet, as I read through scripture, I see again and again that you are watching and you are taking note and you one day will reward us just for the way we lived our lives after we have experienced Christ as our Savior. And Lord, I don't know why you would do that. We don't deserve that. But you are good and you are gracious and you are giving and we celebrate who you are and we thank you for what you have in store for us. May we live faithful lives believing and trusting you're going to use what we do for your glory but also for our good. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray.